Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Religion would not even be an issue except for the Bible. Before we get carried away, let's read our Bibles now. I can assure you there are millions of Christians who did not take parts of the Bible literally. Forfeit all claims to your own authority. Stand without apology on the only authority that matters, which is the authority of God himself entrusted to us in his word. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we're off. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear a message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, what's on your mind? Express it! I think that was a song. Express yourself. Idea at wretched.org with questions, comments, conundrums, snarks. Don't forget stories, sermons, articles, anything wretched as biblically defined. Ascend to idea at wretched.org. All right, we start with Lindsay. No, that's not right, Jimmy. Why? I've heard a very, very important question, comment, conundrum, or snark was actually sent to your cell phone. Would you please just take a second to look at your cell phone and see if you've received a text with something (laughs) very important? What does it say there, Jimmy? Uh, Dear Mr., 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 Sir, amazing, incredible, awesome, Friel. Mm, mm-hmm. Is it true that uh, there's a meeting Saturday, April 29th for a potential Bible teaching church plant in northern Atlanta? Please tell me it's true. Can I actually register at dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org? Thank you. P.S. Give Jimmy a pay raise. Well, thank you so much for texting that to Jimmy's personal cell phone. Yes, indeed. Uh, next Saturday, if you live in the northern burbs of Atlanta and you do not have, if you have one, you stay there. But if you don't have a Bible teaching church that desires to move people from brokenness to wholeness, and that includes all of us, does it not? Please send an email to dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org. Dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org. We're talking about coming, Alpharetta, Johns Creek, Roswell, that territory. You're looking for a church and you'd like to put in a little elbow grease. And I'll just I'll just tip the hand of this potential church plant. You better get used to that because one of the expectations of this church sensitively considered in every circumstance is that each saint will be involved in the service of the body because it's a biblical mandate. Now, are there times when somebody can slide? Yes. Somebody is grieved. Somebody just got burned at a bad church. We are sensitive people. Well, at least I tell myself I am. And we can be patient while somebody heals. But ultimately, we want you restored to health so that you can get back to serving the body. It's good for us. It's good for you. And if you'd like to apply some of that service to planting a church that hopefully lasts for decades and decades, if the Lord tarries, send an email to dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org. Now back to your... Little email thing. (laughs) Okay, this is from Lindsay. Mr. 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 Apparently, I'm supposed to put a lot of these. Friel, you have talked about uh, your viewpoints or viewpoints on the past of how to think through using a person's preferred pronouns. 
But what about if someone has legally changed their name? Like if Bruce is now Brooke. Right. And has appropriate government documents. Yeah. How do you go about dealing with that? I consider authority. Uh, who's, Who's the authority in my life? Well, I've got a number of them. I've got a boss. I've got police. I, I, I've got the school board, for that matter. I've got governors and senators, and I've got pastors. Uh, what? I'm Jimmy, I'm forgetting something here. Who else? Uh, I'm under the authority of... You don't know. I don't... <laughs> You're See, under the, oh, I actually know. Um, I'm spoofing. You're under the authority of God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Jimmy, let's have a meeting after the program today. <laughs> okay. I'm under the authority of God and the Bible. So who do I listen to when I am told, speak like this? And the answer is God. My authority, my supreme authority in all things is God and his word. Therefore, if I am persuaded that it is a sin to participate in somebody's mental illness and confusion by lying to them, then I listen to God and not the government. And having said that, I do think that we need to have a little patience with one another. As everybody works through this pronoun business, there are some days, actually, there's a lot of days where I wish we were more middle ages like, where everything wasn't so, now, now, everything is just hammering you and bombarding you and you need to render a quick verdict and you need to be up to speed and you need to have the correct position. It didn't always work that fast. Consider, not that it was a good council, but consider the council of Trent. It ran for three years. And you go back to the early church, sometimes those councils went on for years and years. Why? Because it was a slower time and they were more deliberative. Perhaps they had fewer things barking at them. So we need to recognize this whole pronoun thing. I work with somebody. They pulled me into the office. They're threatening me. I got to think this. Let's just be patient with one another as we sort it. At the end of the day, it's the end of the day. And we submit to God. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, This next one comes from Joel. Mr. Mr. Sir Friel the Wise, I am a 17-year-old from Ontario, and I have a problem. I think my parents are wrong about everything, (laughs) and I have life figured out. As a sinful 17-year-old, how can I submit to my parents and honor them when I genuinely believe they're wrong? That's, That's so funny, dude. I'm thinking you have a malady that is at least a temptation for all of us, is it not? Was just working on, I'm trying to get my outlines sorted, I get to deliver three presentations at the Teach Them Diligently conference in Knoxville. It's at Dolly. Um, Jimmy, what's the name of the place where uh, the, the you know, where the Zoom and the rides and the Dollywood? Duck, Dollywood? Yeah. Would you look up Teach Them Diligently and find out exactly where it is? Because I get those, because conf- I haven't been up there. Okay. And it, it's it's one of those big convention centers. If you've never been to a homeschool convention and you've been contemplating homeschooling your children, you really should go. You will learn so much. In fact, you will be overwhelmed with what you learn. It will take you days and weeks to sort it. And that's a good thing. If you're going to have a problem with information, having too much of it, probably the better problem to have It's outstanding. You're going to learn. You're going to see the resources. And I get to deliver three presentations 
And I was thinking about teenagers and I was thinking about Absalom. I want to go read about that young man because we want to be careful that a historical narrative doesn't become the rule for everyone. But I want to see how old Absalom was. He was definitely a young man and he seemed to really not dig his dad. And I wonder if he couldn't be a case study for pretty much every teenager that there's at least a propensity to think that moms and dads are dumb. I've got it sorted. You're, you're, you're going through this phase and, and, and I went through it. We all go through it where you're just obedient. You're a kid, but as you were maturing and you didn't even know what was going on inside of there, you started to develop your own preferences and opinions and your thoughts and your desires. And now your parents are coming at odds. And what do you do? Typically as a teenager, you rebel, you dishonor, you become calcitrant, you go your own way. And Absalom most certainly did that to the extreme. And please remember, mom and dad, this might be an encouragement to you. While David certainly wasn't a perfect pop, we know that he was a man after God's own heart. And yet he had at least one son who was a complete and total knucklehead who tried to kill his own father. Whoa, that's David's son. Please remember, mom and dad, your job is faithfulness and parenting. The decisions your teenagers and your adult kids make, that is on them. You did your gig. You cannot take responsibility for their adult behavior. Having said that, what should you do, young man? I would like to challenge you to do something radical. Uh, I, I want you to obey them even when you think they're wrong. You're under their authority. If you can't submit to them, you are going to struggle to submit to God. And you say, but God doesn't tell me to do stupid things or God doesn't have a wrong opinion. No, but he's going to have some truths for you that are hard and you'd rather not. And if you can't submit to your earthly parents, you probably will not submit to your heavenly father. So start developing this as a pattern of life and a posture of submission. And here's the upside to this. You do this. Your relationship with your parents will change. I can almost guarantee it 100% money back, including shipping costs. Because when you start to behave the way that God wants children in the home to behave, he blesses that. It will go well with you. Your parents, they may soften. They might start treating you a little bit more respectfully. Then they might think that you're becoming a little bit more mature and they give you more opportunities to make decisions or to go places and do things that before they wouldn't let you do. You can't be responsible for your parents. You can be responsible for you. Now, if they command you to sin or forbid you from obeying a command, then what do we do? We obey God. But in the meantime, show your obedience to God by obeying your parents. And I can almost like 99% guarantee the temperature in your home will change. And if you're doing some traveling in a couple of weeks and you're thinking about homeschool, please visit. Tell them, Jimmy. The LeConte Center, May 2nd through the 4th in Pigeon Forge, Pigeon Tennessee. Pigeon Forge! <laughs> That's it. Why couldn't I think of... By the way, Tennessee just keeps passing really good legislation. <laughs> I don't know. You left at the wrong time, dude, because I'm telling you, the salute to the Tennessee legislature. They're putting some stuff through that is, you know, common sense. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. 
That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Friel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, You'll be glad you listened. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 270 AD. A wealthy young man named Antony gives away his possessions and begins life as a hermit. Disciples follow his example, and the first monastic movement began. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Please send whatever you want to idea at wretched.org or to Jimmy's cell phone. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you yeah. might want to check your cell phone. I think they're pouring in already. Oh, I have another? Uh-huh. Possibly. Oh, I do. Yeah. What does it say? Dear Mr. Mr. Etc. Friel, mm -hmm. please tell me that it's true that Wretched is hiring. Oh, good question. Oh, how I would love to work with the godliest people in the world. That's true. Do I really visit wretched.org slash career to apply? <laughs> P.S. Please fire Jimmy. <laughs> 
It's true. We're hiring. Uh, please. And who isn't these days? Please visit wretched.org slash career. Would love uh, to hear from you. And and if you, by the way, um, I'm not suggesting that that text was onto something, but if you know how to produce radio, I'm just saying. <laughs> the job will be posted Why there. <laughs> is it that I get emails sent to me that say, P.S., give Jimmy a raise? I have received that no less than 20 times. You need to listen what to these people. What are you up to? I'm not up to anything. Or is, it's wait a be- second. It's If they think you need a raise, it's because the work environment is hostile. <laughs> Hmm, that has some implications I'm not nuts about. Please send whatever you want to to idea at wretched.org or Jimmy's cell phone. <laughs> okay, we uh, we start this segment with Nate, who says, Todd, I recently shared the gospel with someone I love very much, but he took it as a personal insult and walked out of my life. Mm. It's been hard, but through it all, God has convicted me of my pride and unkindness and my need to abide in him. I feel called to become more gentle and more kind, but how can I do that? Yeah, that that that, my friend, would be to let the Holy Spirit control your life increasingly under the authority of Him and God's Word. You will joy, grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. This is the process of sanctification, and one of the first, if not the very first, step is a recognition: I'm not as filled with love, joy, etc., as I should be. So, well done to you recognizing that you might want to consider finding the individual that you potentially offended, not because of the word, but because of your person and repent to them. You know, I I said some things that obviously have driven you away from me. I just want you to know, while I maintain what I said to you was so important and so true, I am so sorry if I delivered in a way that somehow caused you to think I was being condescending or arrogant or mean. I hope you'll be able to forgive me and then go about the business of finding like-minded believers so that we can help one another in this endeavor. This is, this is in my mind, this is probably one of the big pendulum swingers in evangelicalism today. You see Jesus, meek, mild. Yep, come unto me, for I am lowly, humble at heart. That's Jesus. But he also returns with his mighty angels in flaming fire, pouring out his anger and his wrath on everybody who refuses to repent, who practices evil deeds and lives for themselves. Which Jesus is it? Yes, it's both. He's he's. I'm I'm not getting into the ontological nature of God here. I'm just I'm I'm talking about that he is not just this and not just that. He's not bits and parts. He's he's just. Simple. That's the theological term. He's simple. He's not a puzzle that gets put together a little bit of nice over here, some wrath over there. His nature is simple in that he is all of those things, and we can't forget that. It seems that we do have a tendency on this particular subject, though, to just swing back and forth. I'm just going to be really meek and gentle. You know what? I think I've had it with meek and gentility and i think that people need a really strong word so you go whoa over there and hey god's gonna crush you and we go to the other side uh we got to be careful of that because we don't want to become namby pamby and we don't want to be jerks how do you do that it's a process recognizing it is a good first step doing it in community specifically in the context of a local church helping to keep one another accountable we can do that 
We must do that. Now, I know here's another pendulum swinger. Okay, you want me to do what the Bible says, uh, that to rebuke and to exhort. All righty. I'm happy to do that. Jimmy, sit up straight. Your posture's terrible. <laughs> That's my, that you, well, you said to rebuke and to exhort. Okay, we don't become that, but we should be able to help one another. Not with one another, but hey, bro, you know, every time you bring up the subject of Joe Biden, look, I, I agree with you about your assessment, but man, it's just, it just doesn't sound like the godly man that I know so well. The tone on it, just to be aware, your tone on it, you, you just might want to think maybe some of the word choices. And you know what? I'll tell you what, would you help me do that too? That's what we should be doing with one another. Here's an example. Do you know how you could help me? You could help me with my face. Write your own joke here. I'm talking about how I express myself. This happened again, and I'm reminded of this. I do not know what is going on with my face. Unless I hold a mirror to it, I do not know what it is saying. This this happened in our home with a family member who was going through something that was painful. And this person, while telling me this, stopped and said, why are you so mad? Ah, I'm not mad. Well, your your face is communicating. No, I don't want it to. Because I really, I'm genuinely empathizing with you. And I'm, I'm like, I, like I'm feeling this with you. But what was my face saying? I'm mad at you. How dare you? Ah, and I can't know that unless you help me. And you can't know stuff about you unless I help you. So let's find that balance, not pendulum swinging all over the place on every single issue, but, but finding that sweet balance while we help one another to become more like Jesus Christ. Please send whatever to idea at wretched.org. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. I'm sitting up straight. I can't reach I the see. mic from oh, here. I see. <laughs> you are those with bad posture who justify themselves. You have to slouch so that you can be heard. It's this mic you gave you me. You know, <laughs> this is this is as poor a use of the Bible as most megachurches. Congratulations <laughs> to both of us. Idea, wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Anonymous. Mr. Free, I'm curious to know your view on applause in a church service following song performances and baptisms. Yeah. Uh, NAF, not, not, a, not a fan. That's, that's the way the kids talk on the texter machine. Because who's got time to spell out N-O-T-A-F-A-N? Come on. We got things to tweet and look up and play games with. Not just, I'm, just, I'm not a fan. By the way, Jimmy, yes. I, w- I was reminded of a word. That is, that used to be really hip, groovy, and contemporary, and it's gone now. What word? I'm going to tell you right now what the word is. Okay. What do you think of my shirt? Your shirt, it's blue. It's cool. No, Jimmy. It's on fleek. On fleek. Remember that? Well, I never said it, but. No, I never said it either, (laughs) but I remember hearing you going, what? What is it? God, mercifully. <laughs> what do I think of applause? I don't think it's on fleek. That's what I think. I, 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 I think it's the point of worship. Somebody acquire up front or better yet behind. What are they 
desiring to do. And I get it. I understand. No, we're, we're not applauding them. We're just grateful for the gifts that God has given to them. Okay. I, I see that. I get that. That's why I wouldn't make a law where there is no law. But isn't it true that it's really easy to applaud the individual, forgetting about the giftedness that came from God? And if we believe, and I think we should, that the purpose of worship should be to genuinely and totally focus our minds on our God, uh, then, then when it's personally, when it's up front, when it gives off an air of performance, or when the congregation claps as if we are at a concert, I wouldn't call it a sin. I get what's behind it. I just think that it detracts from what worship is supposed to be, and that is an intense focus on our God. And I would ask you again, does your church have any principles or precepts laid down regarding worship? Uh, yesterday, we spent some time talking about a theology of worship. Well, how do we come up with what we're supposed to be doing? We read our Bible. We see what God approves and affirms. And we try to regulate our worship based on his preferences. And there are about seven things that he wants to see. Yes, singing and instrumentation and choirs, baptisms, Lord's Supper, prayer, reading of the word, preaching of the word. Those are the elements that he likes. And when you and I don't take time to remember those elements, have them codified, we're probably not going to include them. Furthermore, if the purpose of the surface is to glorify God, for what does he desire to be glorified? For who he is. And the act that best expresses who he is, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Does the service speak about Christ? You can read an Old Testament verse, but it is in service to the New Testament fulfillment of Jesus Christ. The question isn't what a, specifically on every single minutia, but do we have principles and precepts that are biblically regulated that help us march through a service that focuses on the glory of God expressed in Jesus Christ? This is Wretched Radio. It's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hanks. First up, we go to Ohio, where pro-abortion zealots have targeted a pregnancy center, probably because they think that saving babies' lives is, you know, just so passe. According to reports, the center offers alternatives to abortion, providing support for expected mothers, adoption resources, and parenting classes. The center also offers free ultrasounds to show women the life growing inside them, but apparently offering these compassionate alternatives to baby murder is just a little bit too much for some people who think ending innocent life is the way to go. Get this, over in the UK, a preacher has been ordered not to post Bible verses on social media. It may offend the LGBTQ crowd. The preacher, who's known for his bold messages, faced a little bit of backlash for his stance on the biblical definition of marriage, and despite the order from authorities, he remains steadfast in his commitment to spreading the truth of God's Word good for him because, you know, it seems free speech is only free when it aligns with progressive narratives. And in the corporate world, CVS, you know, the pharmacy, has decided that they're going to enforce employees to support co-workers who are transitioning from one gender to another. The company's new policy mandates that employees not only use preferred pronouns, but also participate in training sessions to learn about gender identity and expression. Now on to sports, but it's not that exciting. President Biden has announced that he'll veto any bill that protects women's sports. 
There is proposed legislation that has been passed that's aimed to ensure fair competition that re- by requiring athletes to compete based on their biological sex. However, our good old president seems to think that this inclusivity stuff should trump fairness, even if it means female athletes lose out on scholarships and other opportunities. Biological differences? What are those? It's a sad day for women's sports. It's what it is, especially when it comes from those who are supposed to be the front runners and claim to champion the rights of women. <laughs> but they're the very ones that are undermining them. Well, now on to some good news. Chicago has agreed to pay $205,000 to settle a lawsuit with Wheaton Schools, who sued the city for violating their free speech rights. Students were originally barred from evangelizing in a public park as the city claimed that their message was disruptive. However, a federal judge didn't agree. He ruled that the students' First Amendment rights had been violated. Well, good for him, because this is not only a victory for the First Amendment and free speech, it's a victory for religious liberty. And finally, in Florida, the state has approved an expanded ban on LGBT indoctrination that includes all grade levels. The ban, which covers topics like gender identity and sexual orientation, is aimed at keeping such discussions out of the classroom and in the hands of parents. And that has been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The book of Numbers tells the story of Israel's wandering in the desert for 40 years. The journey from Egypt to Canaan should have only taken 11 days. But Israel's grumbling and disobedience angered God, and none of the Israelites were allowed to enter the promised land. But God remained faithful and led their children into their inheritance. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You can email it or you can text it directly to Jimmy. Go ahead and give your phone number, Jimmy. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. <laughs> you said no so nicely. I was thinking about Ray Comfort yesterday, how he is so able to say no, which is just one of the worst words you can use these days in the context of somebody expressing what they think or believe and saying no. That's how I would say it. No. Ray Comfort. Somebody goes, well, I think that if you die, your spirit jumps onto a helium balloon and you float into a circus in the sky. Well, no. How does he do that? (laughs) How does he do that? Oh, I guess it's fruit of the spirit. Please send whatever you want to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Anonymous. Dear Mr. 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 Friel and handsome Jimmy Hicks. It says it. It does. You want to? Can you see? It says it. Sure. Great. (laughs) I know you probably are. It's probably about as earnest as people using Mr. 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 Friel. (laughs) So I don't want to take away from your handsomeness. I'm just saying. (laughs) You ruined the moment. What is the origin of Roman Catholicism? Uh, That is a really great question. And as is the case with most of history, There are, unless it's a particular war where you can say they invaded on that day, whenever it comes to ideologies, worldviews, governments, systems, religions, it's really tough to say this is the day that it happened. Having said that, we can track the history of the Roman Catholic Church, not back to the apostles because it doesn't go back to the apostles. By the way, hold it. Last night, week. 
uh, several months ago, posted a video, something like 25 reasons Peter is not the Pope or was not the first Pope. You can find it on the YouTube machine. And most of those I actually assembled all by myself. Is it because I'm a Catholic scholar? No. Is it because that I study everything that was ever written about Peter? No. Just by reading your Bible, it becomes so, it's immediately clear. When Jesus says, Peter, and it's a play on words, remember Petrus Petra, it's a play on, 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 on you little tiny pebble. I'm, I'm, I'm not building on you. I'm building it on your big confession, that boulder that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What do we see immediately after Jesus says that to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. That ain't no way to talk to the first pope. And if you just read through your Bible, you recognize Peter certainly didn't even esteem himself as the first pope, nor did the early church. Acts chapter 11. Uh, this is just a reminder that when we read our Bible, we've, we can read it for years and years and still find nuggets all over the place, can't we? Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So this is Acts chapter t- Acts chapter 11 is preceded by Acts chapter 10. Yeah, that's why I Whoa. am a talk show host right there. What happened in Acts chapter 10? It is a staggering story of Peter receiving a vision. Remember the sheets coming down four corners, all of the animals he wasn't supposed to eat according to Mosaic laws. What does the angel say? Eat it. God now approves of it. You can dine on this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That would make me unclean. Foods that were unclean are now clean. Why? Because the Mosaic covenant in letter, gone. Now, the principles most certainly exist, but Acts chapter 10 is a definitive declaration that the old covenant laws, we are not under their authority anymore. Now, we do bring the principles forward. Because God's word does indeed endure forever. But Peter recognizes, okay, the times, they are definitely a changed. So Cornelius, he's the Italian proselyte, sends his, his dudes, that's the Greek word, I'm just telling you, sends his dudes to go, to go get Peter. And what does Peter do? He comes with, which which you could actually make an argument, is another illustration that Peter wasn't the first pope. Now, this was an Italian. He was a soldier and he was a proselyte and he sends his dudes to get Peter. And what does Peter do? He goes. Shouldn't it have been reversed? Shouldn't the angel have appeared to Cornelius? The pope is waiting to talk to you. Go. But Peter goes. And then we see this in chapter 11 because Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This has a whole lot of implications for us. I know it's historical narrative, but we never see the events in the exact same order in any of those instances, which tells us that they are not necessarily normative. On whom did the Spirit fall? Goyim, Gentiles, which, which as an aside, and I know you're going to love this, if you are in any way, shape, or form a fan of infant baptism, Cornelius, the, the description of Cornelius and his whole family, they, they were aware of what was going on. 
And it's that that term and his whole family that sometimes gets used by some to say that the people got baptized and their whole families, there must have been infants in there. Well, there couldn't have been infants in Cornelius's family when the phrase and his whole family, because they were actually being taught by Peter. Peter taught Cornelius and his whole family. And an infant can't be taught. That aside from my aside, we now get to Acts chapter 11, which follows Acts chapter 10. Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem being carried on a cart, no, that's not right. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, those would be the Jews, contended with him. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? And then Peter recalls the entire story almost verbatim of what happened in Acts chapter 10, and they end up rejoicing. If Peter were the first pope, they wouldn't have addressed him like that. They wouldn't have accused him of wrongdoing like that. They would have kissed his ring and said, please, Papa, tell us what is now being revealed to us as we submit to you and your authority. You just don't see that. And Peter didn't identify himself. He identified himself as a fellow bond servant. He wasn't the first pope. So if we're going to recall Roman Catholic history, we don't go back to Peter. What do we see? As the centuries progressed, there were bishops in major metropolitan areas. And as is just the case in history, and there's plenty of explanations for it, commerce, trade, routes, etc. Maybe perhaps where Paul was executed. Rome became a power center, increasingly. And as men are wont to do, they will vie to have the most power. And that's what you see happening with the bishops in Rome. And ultimately, they were successful and to no small part, perhaps thanks to Constantine, who declared, first of all, in the Edict of Milan, that there, there should be no persecution of Christians. It wasn't until about 70 years later, however, that Christianity then became the Council of Thessalonica, like 383, 313, and then 383, that Christianity is the affirmed, approved religion of the state. Well, that edict came out of the Roman government, and there is the Bishop of Rome, you know, in Rome, hence the Bishop of Rome. And so we see an amassing of power, but then you say that doesn't, so the, when did that, ha- so when did the, the guy become the Pope? You could say probably about the 400s, but it, was, it wasn't just like, you know, oh, that day, that's when all of the power was amassed, everybody else submitted, and the Vatican was built, and we have the entire system. No, then it also took centuries for the dogmas that we identify as Protestants as being aberrant to be added to the Roman Catholic Church. And please note, this is encouraging because people have a tendency to think, whoa, so let's just say the Roman Catholic Church, as we know it, it it started in give or take four, pick whatever, 500. Whoa, you mean it wasn't until Martin Luther came along that anybody knew the gospel? No, that's not the case. Not it. First of all, news didn't travel as fast. Second of all, the service was done in Latin. So these were dear saints that belonged inside of what we would call today the Roman Catholic system that were believing in Jesus. They believed the gospel. They weren't into all of the other things that the Roman Catholic Church taught that were aberrant. 
The gospel was always being preached. Don't forget about Wycliffe. Don't forget about Savonarola. They understood the gospel. People were being saved, but progressively the Roman Catholic Church was adding dogma after dogma. Mariology, praying to saints, their their understanding of purgatory, all of those things were progressively added. And then, of course, you've also got the additional corruption that was happening in the Vatican and the papal office that there was a lot of really salacious stuff going on. Not to mention it became the Holy Roman Empire and there was a collusion between church and state. And now the popes are sending people off to war, hence the Crusades. So when did it happen? Well, give or take, it started in about the 400s. We'll call it 500 for the sake of round numbers, but it progressed to become the system that ultimately the reformers said, This has got to be cleansed. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa. And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. I was thinking about this earlier. Did you know that you're a bit like the Bereans in Acts 17? They were examining the scriptures daily. And look at you. Most of you are stocking up on our wretched resources like biblical ninjas. And we're grateful for your support. But I do have a question. Have you ever considered taking the theological journey that you're on to the next level by becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Now, we know you love diving deep into the Word. So do we. But why not help us to share that life? saving knowledge with millions all over the world. After all, you can't spell gospel without go, right? Yeah, that's an old one. But anyway, seriously, your monthly partnership would make a huge difference in helping us to create more content like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and Transform. We would love for you to pray about it and then join us in this adventure by visiting wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Like the Pointer Sisters. I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot 
afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Revelation God has revealed himself through many means, including the conscience. God has given each person a conscience so that they can understand his moral standard and their failure to keep that standard. While the conscience can be deadened and twisted by sin, every human being has an innate knowledge of God's law. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Have we all had just about enough handsome? One, seven, seven, two, eight, two, beep. This is Wretched Radio. That's the number of the old toll-free. What's on your mind? Express yourself. Questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, two rules. Ixnay on the airing sway. And please keep it pithy. one 282 Hi, Todd. My name is Luke. I am currently attending college, and recently on the college campus, there was a pro-life event where there was a speaker, and the speaker was the leader of a pro-life ministry but she was also a female pastor. And there was a disagreement among me and some other Christian friends about whether or not we could join in helping an organization like this, where they're doing a lot of great work for the pro-life movement and for women. But on the other hand, they are pushing false doctrine. So I was wondering, where's the line where, what are the issues where we put aside our doctrine and join hands with other Christians? Depends on the level and what the issue is. This would be your second uh, second John eight, nine, where it, it, it doesn't sound like it's dealing with the issue of ecumenism because it's a little bit culturally based, but it certainly does. First century, if you welcomed a teacher into your home, you were affirming the teacher. John said, don't do that with false teachers. Don't give the impression that you are in a hearty agreement with what it is that they are teaching that is false. I think the principle to that for the church today is don't do anything that communicates to an outsider their teaching is correct. That is why I tend to be a little bit tighter on the subject of ecumenism. There are indeed times when we can and should work together. Churches that have the essentials in place and churches that are not living in willful, unrepentant sin. You say, well, what willful, unrepentant sin is a pastor with a female pastor of a church committing? That is such a clear admonition in the Bible that the office of elder is reserved for males, that a church that is disobeying a very clear statement, we would have to say is living in perpetual sin and should be treated with the principles of church discipline. It doesn't have to be an essential doctrine. It can be a secondary tertiary issue if It is a clear thing that is an unrepentant sin, and that's what you're dealing with. So my my ecumenical position would be, I can't partner with that. I I cannot do something, lock elbows with them to work. Do you lock elbows? Yeah, I guess that's the way you do. You lock elbows with them 
in order to accomplish something good. I can't be pragmatic. I can't let the end justify the means. I have got to stick to the standard that John gives, which is don't do things that affirm false. That's why personally doing things on a platform, even a pro-life platform, when you've got the Roman Catholic priest, you've got the Jewish rabbi, you've got the Buddhist, what is it communicating? Now, could I personally perhaps be persuaded if you as a Christian got up there and said, hello, everybody on the Washington Mall, because whenever we Christians do something, it has to be in a political realm. Please know, I disagree with the Roman Catholic, the Buddhist and the Hindu and the Jewish rabbi. We do not share the same beliefs. Now, let me tell you about blah, blah, blah. Okay, perhaps. But if what I am doing, it puts a blanket on something that is false, then I, I can't let the good that might come from it override what is a biblical commandment. One eight seven seven. You okay with that, Jimmy? Yep, I think so. One eight seven seven two eight two. Hey, how's it going? Um, my name's Ethan. Uh, my question is to do with faith in general. Um, I feel like I'm a guy who lives through my works, and I really don't want to be. I'm a guy who lives through my works. Yes, is that what he said? Uh huh. This is a pretty common malady, dude. Um, I beat myself up a lot for messing up, and I just want to know, like, what's that whole sanctification thing <laughs> Todd mentioned so much, and just uh, what's that really mean in day-to-day life and not living through yourself but living through Christ? It, it, it means so much, but I've got to start with this, Ethan. You are not weird. You, you are not an unusual Christian. There are so many that wrestle with this. And the subject is big. So let me just give you the big umbrella. But then I want to zero in specifically on what you said to try to illustrate and color the principles of sanctification. Number one, you are a saint. You say, but no, I am. I don't act like one. Positionally, you are. You are called as a saint. God sees you as perfect. No kidding. He sees you as totally righteous because he sees you through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ. Sanctification is the person who still has this unglorified carcass that we're carrying around, still sins. You increasingly act what you are in Christ. You become what you are already seen as by God through Jesus Christ. And that is an ongoing, lifelong process that is synergistic, empowered by the Holy Spirit, but you being genuinely responsible, having to exert genuine effort to become what you have already been declared. That's the umbrella. Now, you said, I really beat myself up when I sin. Here's where we can whiplash from one ditch to the other. I don't want to tell you, you shouldn't air quote, beat yourself up over your sin. I'm just going to change the language a little bit. You should feel bad when you sin. That should never go away. The Christian who is solidly in Christ should never go, oh, yeah, (laughs) I looked at porn again. I'm good to go. No, we hate it. In fact, Ethan, you're going to increasingly hate sin. Here's the irony. The holier you become, the more you're going to realize you sin and the more you're going to hate your sin. That's right. But the beating yourself up, if that implies that you're not a Christian, I, I, I think that I'd like to put the kibosh on that. You should feel bad when you sin, even as a Christian. But here's the key. You don't stop there. You keep going with your theology. Yes, if I say I have no sin, I deceive myself. 
I, I, I hate my sin. Consider Paul in Romans chapter seven. I want to do good, but I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Does he stop there? No, but thanks be to God. Who's going to save me from this body of death? And then he launches into Romans eight, chapter one, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the process. And as you go about the business of growing in the Lord, in the fruit of the Spirit, keep hating your sin, but don't let your sin disqualify you because it can't. What can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Can height or depth, breadth, width, any other created thing, including you, your attitude, your guilt, your shame, your parents, your spouse, a bad preacher. Nobody can separate you from the love of God. So the process specifically in sanctification would be you're going about your day. Ah, I sinned. I hate this so much. Lord, I am so sorry again. Cleanse me. Remind me of who I am. Help me to remember that Jesus paid such an awful price for this sin so that I love you more and serve you better. And away you go as a child of God who's completely redeemed, not because that little exchange took place, but because you're in Christ. That is the process of sanctification. And dude, the good news is you're in that process. You're on it. I would encourage you get gospel assurance. It's available at wretched.org. Jimmy? Pick a page number, Pick and a, I'm gonna and I'm gonna from page uh, whatever to about 170. Okay, page 83. That's a bad one. Try oh, something else. 82. It's fine. 83, 82. <laughs> All right, here let's let's just see what we can learn. Devour me, devour me by Thomas Brooks. I got to put my glasses on. This is going to be interesting. Assurance will sweeten the thoughts of death and all the aches, pains, weaknesses, sicknesses, and diseases, which are the forerunners of death. Yes, it will make a man look and long for death. Whoa. Death is more desirable than life. Now, says the soul, let him fear death, who is averse to go to Christ. The Persians had a certain day in the year in which they used to kill all serpents and venomous creatures. The assured Christian knows that the day of death will be such a day to him. And that makes death lovely and desirable. He knows that sin was the midwife which brought death into the world and that death shall be the grave to bury sin. And therefore, death is not a terror, but a delight unto him. Not because he delights in his sin, of course, but because he recognizes this is a consequence of the fall and one day it's all going to be gone. He fears it not as an enemy, but welcomes death as a friend. Death is not a terror. It is a delight to the believer. Why? Because the thing for which we strive, which is to be pleasing to God because of what he has done for us in his son, it's going to become reality. I'm going to be that thing. And furthermore, the love of God, which in this life, I think it's right to say is spiritual. We use that term. It's spiritual. When you die, going to become a physical reality. You're not going to have to think about the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You're going to experience it. You're going to see it. You're going to behold it. You're going to feel it. That, that's what you have to look forward to. Your sins keep wrestling, keep hating, but keep remembering your Savior died for you, and one day he will totally glorify you. 
And until tomorrow, go serve your king. 